0: hey guys welcome to episode 37 of the green life today's episode is super fun we're going to talk about medicinal cannabis with dr h who is back on the show before that i just want to give a big shout out to nama well the nama juicers the j2 is an amazing cold press juicer that will upgrade your juicing experience at home but also make it cheaper because you can squeeze every bit of juice out of your produce I love mine, and if you want a discount code, go into the show notes and check out your 10%. Back to the show, Dr. H is back on The Green Life, talking about cannabis today, and he is the uh, community director and founder of EHI, the Energetic Health Institute, where he also has a course about medicinal cannabis that you can do on your own and it's super helpful to understand what the plant is, how it can heal, how to use it, and every little detail that will make your experience with this medicine so much more powerful. And that's what we're going to talk about today, diving into the science of cannabis and understanding how we probably shouldn't always use it recreationally as we do, but how to get the best out of a plant that was really designed for our body to heal. Without further ado, let's dive into this great conversation. Welcome, Dr. H. Hello, Dr. H, how are you today? Thank you for being back on The Green Life.
1: Oh my goodness, it's so good to be here. And uh, the day is going great. I just got, it's awesome when you get your day started with a meme and the meme has like meaning, it's the, the funny ones are great, but this one was all about gratitude, you know? Um, and it was just about the what gratitude does for you to kind of bring everything in order. So I'm I'm grateful for being here, and I'm grateful for you having me on.
0: Uh, I'm grateful for you too. Okay, so today's gonna be a very concise episode because we are going to go straight into one of the mm-hmm. funniest. Like it's fun; it's a fun subject, but also one that confuses people a lot. We're gonna talk about medicinal marijuana and CBD, and I know you're an expert. Uh, You've been, and not just because you like to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> but because you actually looked at the chemistry of the plant and looked at and look at and looked at the um the benefits as well as uh I like how you you know you warn people against the side effects which is good and uh, that you also have a course on uh, on your platform and uh yeah I like to really dive into it one of the things that really prompted me to do this is because people talk about marijuana a lot as you know Uh, Obviously, in the US, you have different states with different laws. Mm -hmm. And medicinal marijuana has become a very big subject, rightfully so, because it does help people. Uh, In Europe here, we have very different laws. Some countries like uh, the Netherlands are a little bit more open. However, Mm. I just (laughs) learned that that's only really in uh, Amsterdam in the coffee shops. But technically, you're not allowed to really grow anything. Um, So it's very... Yeah, it's a little bit up in the air, and other countries are, um, depending where you go, can be quite harsh with it, or uh, so it's criminalized, or um, they they're not harsh, but it's not legal exactly. So it's very confusing around the globe. But I think the U.S. kind of reflects a lot of what we have here, because in some states it is still illegal, um, although medicinal marijuana is broadly kind of sold. So you can just give us a little bit of the picture of um of, well first of all what is marijuana i think it'd be a good place to start.
1: Well um marijuana is uh a technically a, a term used and developed by the United States government to cast dispersions um upon uh, mexican people and immigrants coming from the southern border. The um, In an attempt, uh, you know, propagandized attempt, surprise, (laughs) to uh, vilify this really incredible um, botanical medicine um, so that they could get broad public support that you can't have this in. it needs to be completely, um, you know, removed from public consumption uh, and and availability and all this other stuff. It's going to lead to the demise of entire societies. Uh, They created a, a term and that term was marijuana. And the term marijuana was used to uh, really push people in a direction, you know, kind of a social engineering thing of saying, okay, well, it's a bad plant brought by bad people into our country, and we have to defend it against this. So, of course, the pharmaceutical industry is behind this because it's actually an incredibly medicinal plant, and maybe the most medicinal of all plants in um in the uh, botanical pharmacopoeia um it's uh it does things chantal that no other botanical medicine i've ever seen can do so um w- while i'll i'll refer to it from moving forward as cannabis mm-hmm. <laughs> by the correct latin name um what I, what i want folks to understand is that this plant has every look Like it was designed specifically for us, specifically to be medicinal and specifically evolved with us um, and works with our physiology and our biochemistry in ways that no other plant works with us. Um, So I I have a hard time looking at it any other way than a perfect botanical medicine for the human body. Now, um, I will start out with a couple of statements because there's a few things I think we have to set the playing field on. Uh number 1 I don't believe that smoking is medicinal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um I, I think it just does too much injury. I, I understand it recreationally, believe me, I understand it recreationally. I have done that for a long time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh by and large I, I don't do that uh anymore. I I um create um edibles uh, and spe- especially butter to make sure that I'm preserving all the medicinal compounds in the plant. There's a specific way and it's specific temperatures. You have to do things to make sure you preserve all of uh, the medicine in the plant because it's all of the medicine in the plant, whether we're talking THC, um, whether we're talking CBD, uh, whether we're talking um, additional medicinal compounds within the, the flower uh, called most of them, of which are called terpenes, but there's also some antioxidants in there as well. But it's great keeping all of those preserved so that when they come into the body, there's a balance Um, There is a, what is termed an entourage effect, um, uh, whereby there's a synergy between all of these medicinal compounds and your cells know how to work with that synergy, which is exciting. Um, Additionally, uh, I'm not a fan of a lot of the cannabis that's available to people because it is so heavily sprayed with um, pesticides and herbicides and fungicides and things like that. So there are things that you can get if you are in a state or in a country where there is regulation on it. And these are called certificates of analysis. These are um, supposed to be done by the farm so that the farm can show you what's in and what's not in, whether we're talking about THC or CBD or any of the cannabinoids. Uh, whether we're talking about terpenes, whether we're talking about pesticide residue, right? So you can actually get a really clean look and you can know whether what you're taking into your body is really pure. And then the the last thing I think that's really concerning for me right now in the industry is that we see a lot of um, high THC, no CBD, really no other discernible cannabinoids in in a lot of the modern cultivated flowers um the concern with that is that people are trying to get really high and, and that usually is an escapism you know I need to get away from something and so it doesn't matter whether it's cannabis or cocaine if you're trying to escape something there's going to be problems with that it's not the right usage of this in this case the medicine um so I, I get concerned about the imbalances that are being, really promoted I get concerned about the overuse of the the overuse of pesticides and fungicides and the residue and I and I of course get concerned um, with the application for people which is smoking it by and large or vaping it which is even worse now in my opinion um, you know that there's there's some pitfalls that we've done and and the thing that's so problematic for that Chantal is public perception. Because you get people into a public perception state where they're like, um, you know, I'm smoking it. I'm getting high as a kite. And, and this is medicine, baby. Right. You know, and it's like, well, no, not really. Not the way you're using it. It's not medicinal. But, um, you know, it's just an easy way to teach people how to tell themselves lies, I think
0: yeah that's very 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 spot on um and i you know i feel the sentiment like I, I i share the sentiment with you as in i you know i've smoked and a few times and it's fun and um you know you you totally relax, and then you have the munchies which is also fun but the um it's true that it doesn't really serve me for example and i know it depends on the kind of plant. so you know if we're looking at sativa or others um but I, I definitely feel that smoking is not medicinal. I always felt that. I didn't know why I felt that. I thought it's fun, but it's not medicine. When it comes to medicine, I'm always thinking teas, edibles, or mm-hmm. extracts like, well, we've seen the CBDs. So I definitely agree with that. And it has become a little bit of a a trend where if you're smoking, you're cool, you know. So, of course, everybody wants to be the cool kid on the, on the block. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about... Would you mention a few things that the plant can be heavily sprayed with pesticides and then that they are creating these plants that have high THC? I read somewhere a few um, a couple of years ago that obviously the pharmaceutical company is uh, cannot really um, you know that they don't like uh, the the cannabis plant because they cannot patent it. its nature mm-hmm. so you can't patent anything from it but they were trying to make um, synthetic Uh, cannabis. Mm -hmm. And would that, with the plants that have high THC would consider be considered synthetic or they just, um, I don't want to say genetically modified because they're not exactly GMO, Mm -hmm. but you know, a kind Mm of um, modified so that they have a certain profile that is different from the original plant.
1: Mm. These are great, great questions. Um, First and foremost, uh, they have made synthetic um, THC um, and synthetic um plants now whether that's a gmo or not i don't i don't know but it would not surprise me at this point that there are gmo seeds at least in testing for cannabis um so that's that's obviously a concern um you know it's becoming it's become increasingly more difficult to get organic not just in cannabis but in really anything you know um they just don't want you to have things the way that they're supposed to be. Mm. <laughs> I guess yeah. um, I, when when so that's that's one concern. The the concern about the pesticides is obviously that you know when you start taking the flame to the flower, um, which is how most people are going to do this, or if you're taking a vape cartridge, for example, um, that there's going to be a concentration of those pesticides on that flower or in that vape cartridge, right? So that a person is really smoking. Um, pesticides, pe- herbicides, and fungicides. Um, when when a person's smoking that, and, and, and it doesn't matter whether they're smoking a pure flower or a contaminated flower, um, it's still going to be injurious to the lungs. And mm-hmm. so it's very difficult for me to um, classify something as medicinal that injures the body.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So- so that's why it's like yeah it's an indulgence sure and it's uh, it's there's a whole good feeling around it when you when you start talking about the communal aspects of it you know it's a, it's a very interesting um ceremony that so many people go through and in that way it's it's beautiful i mean i've done it so many times that i can't even tell you so um and it's not something i'm ever going to shy away from you know uh, <laughs> either you know Um, But I also don't kid myself that that is medicinal. And I think that's the first thing you start breaking. It's like, you can't, you can't injure the body and still be medicinal. That's not really how it works. Um, I think the thing we look for also Chantal is when we get into the physiology and the biochemistry of the liver, there's some really phenomenal things that happen. Um, For instance, did you know, this is the only known bio, uh, you know, um, I don't want to say biologic compound, but it's not. Really, this is the only known botanical medicine. All right. The only one that when you take it into the body, the liver will actually biotransform some of the medicinal compounds, most notably THC into an even stronger form of that compound. Oh,
2: wow. And
1: then the liver will re-release that biotransformed compound into the bloodstream. And that new compound will stay active medicinally for 12 to 16 hours,
2: wow. all
1: right? We, there's, there's some things with this that we have to cover, and this is where it's like, let me give you a little background on on steady state and, um, and half-lives and things like that, okay?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, in the natural world, most medicinal compounds have a half-life, meaning like uh, if they're at 100% concentration in the bloodstream, how long it takes to reduce that in half, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Most medicinal compounds, natural medicinal compounds will have a couple hours of really of a half-life at, at the longest. It's not, you know, that's why we have to take medicine, uh, you know, the things we consider medicine, the natural stuff two times a day when we're really not feeling well and we, why we have to use maintenance dosing several times a week to kind of keep blood levels of certain nutrients and things up. Right. So mm-hmm. it, they go down pretty quickly. You know, the only exception to that would be things that are fat soluble. Those the body can store a little bit, but the water soluble stuff pretty much it's urinated out and we got to replenish it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> when you talk about cannabis, you, um, cannabis, when it comes into the body, when you edibilize it, right. When you've, you've done a great job of preparing it properly, you got the right temperatures, you preserve the medicinal compounds, you've activated the TCH or excuse me, THCA into activated THC. um, So it can interact with your um, CB1 receptors on your central nervous system. Right. So that's pretty cool right there. Um, you've activated um some cBd um through the through the heating process through a very low and slow heating process and now that cBD can activate um the c b two cell receptors which are all on your peripheral nervous system and here's the cool thing all throughout your digestive tract and all along your immune system so when you're taking c b d and not only are you helping to you know give a medicine to your nervous system, but you're also giving that medicine to your digestive tract. You're also giving that medicine to your immune cells. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. really, this is why cannabis has had a good um, profile every time it's been tested for response to infections like SARS-CoV-2 virus. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's pretty cool. Okay. Because it helps out now um, you edibilize it, you've eaten it, Comes into the body. The body is going to the stomach, and digestion is going to break it down a little bit. It gets absorbed in the bloodstream. Okay, it's going to be absorbed and brought into the liver. Ultimately, that's where the liver is going to start pulling it out of circulation. But the liver does something unique here. What the liver typically does when something is in the in the bloodstream, it'll pull it out, and then it won't re-release it. For this one, it pulls it out. The liver cells actually biotransform it in from THC into 11-hydroxy-THC, which is even stronger and even more potent medicine. This is the only place I've ever seen this happen in botanical medicines. Now, it doesn't mean it doesn't happen for others. It's the only one I know of. And I've studied botanical medicines for 20 years, 20 plus years. This is the only time we've ever seen this. It actually transforms into something stronger. And then the liver, rather than detoxifying it and pulling it out, the liver actually re-releases it. And when the liver re-releases it, the blood levels of 11-hydroxy-THC go up. And now that is an additional stimulation, especially to your central nervous system. And when you understand the role that the central nervous system has in healing the human body, the central nervous system is the key factor in healing because the central nervous system is going to perceive what's going on external and throughout the body and start directing the immune system and other um, aspects like blood di- vessel dilation, for example, so you can get blood and nutrients, the immune system is gonna, excuse me, the nervous system is gonna start coordinating that whole process. So when you bring in cannabis and you bring in a little bit of THC, the liver will biotransform it into something stronger, re-release it, and that stronger thing will have an incredibly medicinal effect on the central nervous system to help the central nervous system coordinate all healing functions of the body. And that's, that's only the first part of why it's medicine,
2: Hmm. right?
1: Now, when you smoke it, there is going to be a little bit of conversion. Um, but we've, we've seen a study that I'm I'm thinking of right now, it's nowhere in comparison. So first of all, you only get a little bit of THC and, um, you get a a huge dose of THC, but in a very short window. Hmm. So that seems to overwhelm the system. And now the liver, rather than re-releasing a lot of that THC, will turn it into um, a different form of THC to detoxify it Mm. and pull it out. So you don't get that 11-hydroxy-THC benefit in any great percentage um, from from it, especially if there's pesticide residue on the flower, especially if there's pesticide residue in the vape cartridge, Um, and that's in addition to it injuring the lungs. So you don't get that additional stuff there. But when you edibilize it and it's been prepared properly and it's balanced, I'm a real big proponent of one-to-one THC to CBD, mm. all right? I'm really big. You need CBD to make THC effective. You need THC to make CBD effective. I'm okay with people going, you know, I don't really like the psychotropic effects of THC and saying, maybe I have a, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe I have a THC um, you know, to CBD ratio of one to eight, where it's like really CBD dominant. That's fine too. But you do need some THC to help stimulate the CB1 receptors on the central nervous system. So, you know, when when we're looking at this whole thing, and this is just really the tip of the iceberg, when cannabis is grown properly, (laughs) when it's harvested properly, when it's prepared properly, the medicinal benefits are tremendous on the entire system and because of its efficacy it's you know to me this would make sense that if you're in the business of making money off of people being sick you want people to be sick this is what the pharmaceutical industry does they create sick customers and keep them sick really really well right
2: yeah
1: it would make sense that they wouldn't want a botanical medicine like this available because there's something else about the munchies that I want to talk to you about um, in a second, too. But, man, it, when you think about this flower, this flower, this botanical medicine, it's a gift. It's an absolute gift to us. And there's so much we're learning right now um, about everything, really, we've been taught. There's so much we have to unlearn and this is one of those major places where we have to unlearn. You know, oh, it's hippies, it's tree huggers, oh, it's the people who are, you know, doing it's a gateway drug and all this other nonsense. All that stuff was just BS. <laughs> it was BS to take something away from the people that really helped the people.
0: Yeah, That's totally. All no, absolutely. Um, is uh, cannabis um, not native at all in any parts of the US or? Is it the different, that are different kinds of plants that could be from the U S as well?
1: You know, that's, that's a really good question. I don't know the answer to that. Um mm. You know, I, I, I know that it is a um, incredibly drought tolerant, uh drought resistant plant. It'll grow basically in any environment, you know, desert to tropical rainforest. Um, it has immense uses when we start talking about hempcrete in the building using it to build houses which hempcrete mm-hmm. is also flame retardant uh, when we talk about biodegradable plastics um to me those are the two one of the two of the biggest non medicinal applications of uh of the cannabis plant um i think it's just it, it's so versatile it does so many things um and as a um, and it grabs carbon like crazy too. So I mean, if people are flipping out about another problem that doesn't exist, climate change, yeah, I can't believe I'm saying that now. I used to be one of the biggest climate changers, and now I'm like, nope. I've actually done a lot of research on this, and all we have to do is plant trees, and everything goes back into balance. So anyway, that's a whole another topic. But this this could fall into that because if you start developing an industry really around like building materials for example right um biodegradable plastics and things like that now you have to grow this plant all over the place great because it's going to be it grows so quickly it grabs so much carbon out of the atmosphere boom now you're putting that carbon back in the ground harvest the plant make the product do it over again right um
0: There is a difference between the female and male plant, right? The hemp is male, totally, and the flower, the the one that has the flower is the female, which is where cannabis to eat
1: <laughs> comes yeah. from.
0: The medicine <clears throat> comes from.
1: Well, not exactly. There's there's three there's three main strains, uh, three main plants. There's um, uh, cannabis sativa, cannabis indica, then there's hybrids that they've made. You know, <clears throat> blends of the two. And then there's uh, I forget the third one. I'm blanking on it right now. I should have pulled up my presentation on this. <laughs> but it's that third one, um, the the industrialized hemp. yeah industrialized hemp is uh, high CBD, typically, no um not no, but very, very low THC. I believe it's depending upon the state, you know, I think what qualifies is uh, under 0.2 percent THC, and it can be like 13 percent CBD. You know, by comparison, so there's really not going to be any major psychotropic effects. But that's the industrialized hemp is uh, is what is used uh, old school for rope making, for example, mm. for all the ships and everything like that, and all the the fabrics and textiles. There's another use for it, paper. There's another use. I mean, it, it's one of the most versatile um, botanicals out there, not just for its medicinal, but also for its industrial you know uses so it's it's just silly on every level not to take advantage of of a plant with this type of of um, versatility you know yeah. it's just economically foolish not to do it
0: yeah well well you know they would have to explain a lot of things if everybody could now grow it because up to now they said you can't because it's so bad for you and so dangerous right
1: yeah it it's gonna it's gonna make you fly around a room and act crazy. That I mean this is you can't make this stuff up. This is what was told to Americans in like the 1940s to get it vilified and taken out out of the pharmacy. This is the thing. It has always been in the pharmacopoeia for every com- for every country, every civilization. It's always been used. You can go back to the Egyptian uh, pharaohs. It's been it's been found in the tombs. You can go back to the the Chinese dynasties. It's found in the in the in the tombs. It's. Yeah clearly been used all throughout humanity but then 1940s come around and the pharmaceutical industry needs to get it all out of the US pharmacopeia so what do they do vilify it and create a propaganda campaign of course racist one on top of that yeah. you know because we got to we got to make mexican people look really bad and then you know and then we get it out and then other countries start following suit because other countries either follow suit or get paid to follow suit we see how mm-hmm. that works now with all this and then pretty soon, all you get in the literature, all you get in the, in on the TV and in, in movies and on TV shows is this constant vilification of this and how you're going to be a deadbeat burner. And then, of course, you get the pendulum swinging in the other direction come the 80s and 90s. You know, Cheech and Chong, I guess, hold, held the baton for a while. <laughs> and then it gets swings completely in the other direction. And now where people, everybody's stone. I mean, I can't drive down the street without seeing somebody vaping you know in their car and it's like well this is not healthy either you yeah. know and instead of just leaving it alone and being like hey it's a pretty awesome plant but it deserves reverence and respect yeah you know how about we just do that right
0: yeah use it as a medicine and you wouldn't take medicine every day right so and even if well, you do you don't take it in a way that is medicinal
1: well it, it's i think it's it's work on the nervous system um and it's it's indication it's it's importance for people who are dealing with um nervous system issues uh, like for me a lot of people know i wear these glasses to help prevent seizures right mm. after being injured by um by uh, some vaccines a couple decades ago right so um it helps me manage that process tremendously
2: mm. you know
1: uh, you know and it's like well You know, oh, you just like the feeling of it. Yeah, that's one of the benefits. It's okay to say you enjoy that. Sure, if that's your thing, right? But don't make that the villain, you know, because that's that same mentality of trying to vilify something. It's like, here's this amazing gift we've been given from God, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. that grew up with us, that evolved with us and said, here, this is going to help you heal a lot of things. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Why would we not have reverence for that, you know, and respect for it? You see, we let's talk about the munchies.
0: Yeah,
1: let's talk about the munchies. <laughs> let's talk about those <laughs> munchies, right? So we've all, we've all, for those of us that have explored cannabis as a flower, you know, you take a toke and then you know, if everything starts getting a little happier. Oh, hey, I just had an attitude adjustment. That's pretty good. And then a couple of minutes go by and you're smiling for no reason. It's like, yeah, that's how you're exposed to exist in that state of happiness and bliss. Sure, <laughs> right, right. And then something else kicks in. You're like, Oh, I'm hungry. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you just ate. I'm, yeah. I'm no, hungry. it
0: matters not.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> no. So it's fantastic for people who are, are um, going through cachexia, for example, cancer patients, HIV patients, people who are, are just wasting away, right. Getting really, it's great to keep people hungry and keep people fed. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's not really what's happening with, or what's supposed to happen when a person gets the munchies. See, the munchies are an engagement of hunger. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. We all agree that munchies, I'm hungry and food tastes amazing, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Once you've done it. So enjoy that food. Um, but here's the thing. Once you once you eat, once you've gotten the munchies and you eat, you actually turn off the major medicinal impact of the, of the flower. Mm. See, see, this is the thing a lot of people haven't put together yet. What I've been teaching for a few years now, but now it's really starting to accelerate, Chantal, is this simple concept. Hunger is healing. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes, what's happening at the cell level when we are feeling hungry? Well, when we're feeling hungry, we are starting to engage a very important healing process at the cell level called autophagocytosis.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Now, autophagocytosis literally means self-eating. But what's happening in the cell is that the cell is encapsulating in little fat bubbles called autophagosomes, things that shouldn't be in the cell, mm-hmm. which tells us that there is an incredibly divine intelligence that the cell possesses to know what should be there, what shouldn't, what should be there, That but that's maybe a little too broken down to, to use successfully. It just bubbles this stuff up. And then it takes the bubble. It's basically a trash bubble in the cell and it merges with an enzyme bubble called a lysosome and the lysosome will have digestive enzymes in there. And the two bubbles merge the trash and the digestive enzymes. And then the digestive enzymes break down the trash. Yeah. And then the cell will reuse the amino acids and things that it can reuse the things it can't reuse. It poops out, gets rid of. Yeah. Well, that's all happening while we're feeling hungry. mm. And that's why it's important for us to be hungry every day. Now, it's important for us to be hungry for several hours every day, because then we're getting a few hours of this process happening within the cell. I do want to caution people because we've heard people now saying that if you do intermittent fasting, of course, what we're talking about is kind of an intermittent fasting kind of deal. If you do intermittent fasting, um, you are getting into DNA repair. We don't have conclusive evidence of that. And this is why I've said to folks, there's probably some DNA repair, but it's not really efficient. It's definitely not prolonged during intermittent fasting. If you want to get into really serious DNA repair, you need to, that doesn't, in my opinion, happen until about 50 hours. So you have to do a full water fast, a clinical fast. Okay. So we separate and we distinguish between those, those two things because DNA repair in this day and age is very important. Yeah. Okay. But don't kid yourself that you're getting into it in some great level because you're practicing intermittent fasting. Now, can you get into it? DNA repair and autophagocytosis from cannabis? Yes. But here's the rules. Number one, when you take cannabis in, it should be taken in, in an edible format. Okay. Something where you've preserved THC, the CBD, the other cannabinoids, the other terpenes, and you've preserved them because the the medicine has been prepared in the right sequence at the right temperature. I cannot emphasize that enough. That's really what I teach when I teach about this stuff. Temperature Mm -hmm. is everything. And then when you anabolize, you're taking in the right amount for you. So you're going to take in, I I teach students how to find their THC number. How many milligrams of THC is your perfect amount? And that varies for every person, Mm -hmm. right? You can get a lot done, believe it or not, Chantal, with a very small amount of THC, like 2.5 milligrams. You can get a lot done, okay, from a healing perspective. And then once a person... Um, takes that medicine into their body, they're going to get the munchies. It's going to maybe take 30, if you edibilize, it's going to take 15 to 45 minutes, somewhere in there for most people to start kicking in. You start going, wait, I'm getting a little hungry. Okay. Here's how you keep, here's how you make sure that what you just put in your body stays medicinal. Don't eat.
2: Mm.
1: As soon as you eat, you get the munchies. As soon as you eat, You've just wiped out the major portion of the of the medicine. You've just turned off autophagocytosis. Cannabis is one of the only, and I've heard of a new terpene in a Siberian fur, abacil or something like that, that supposedly can engage autophagocytosis as well. So I can't say it's the only thing that can do it. But from a plant perspective, this is the only known plant that can in Deuce autophagocytosis in the cell at the cell level. It's the only one that can do it. You Mm -hmm. just so so you don't need to wait. You just got to let yourself. Once it's engaged, you got to let yourself be hungry. And if you let yourself be hungry now for as long as you're hungry, that's medicine occurring. And if that hunger extends out for, in my opinion, into the forty and fifty hour mark, because maybe you've done it, you know, maybe you've you start your fast with a little bit of cannabis or something like that to accelerate the, the autophagocytosis process. What's happening at the cell level is when you get to that 40 and 50 hour mark, now you're engaging DNA repair. And when you engage DNA repair, now it gives us an opportunity, if it can happen, it gives us the opportunity to ungenetically modify.
2: Mm.
1: (laughs) somebody who's been genetically modified (laughs) say for instance by some shots that are experimental and still in production for some reason
0: behave dr h behave oh
1: yeah i know i know right (laughs) it comes out and it comes out. but this is this is the potential medicinal um advantage of this this is the potential medicinal um application you know of this is that we can use cannabis in the right way to be hungry and when we use it to be hungry, and we allow the hunger to be for a, an enough, a long enough period of time. What we're doing is going, moving from autophagocytosis, which is fantastic and amazing, um, and has been proven to be as effective as chemo when it comes to dealing with cancer. Mm. We can move from that autophagocytosis even to into an even deeper aspect of healing within the cell structure, and that's DNA repair. Mm. So it has that potential. I don't know, Chantal, I don't know of another botanical medicine that can induce all of that in and of itself.
0: That's amazing. Let's mm. talk about edible a little bit more, though. Let's. Um, can you can you tell me what the best way to actually ingest it is? Because, again, going back to trips to the Netherlands, you mm. know, you're going to a gift shop and there's like the, um, you know, the cannabis uh, brownie and the biscuits and you name right. it. And I'm quite sure that that's not always the best way, but I don't know um, if there is a way that you should have it. So you said you make your edibles in a way that is that can preserve the elements that are medicinal, like THC, CDC, um, CDC, mm-hmm. uh, CBD, CBD, mm-hmm. and, um, and the other terpenes. And then how could you? How what's the best way to store it?
1: Well, th- these, are, these are great, great questions. Um, one is for in terms of storage, I like to store, um, I make butter,
2: butter. number one.
1: Butter, okay. Um, um, so I like to store it in the freezer and I just take a little bit out, you know, and we'll put it in the refrigerator whenever I'm about to use a little bit and let it soften up. Um, but I store it in the freezer. Uh, when you store it in the freezer, it's going to last a lot longer. Um, one of the problems with... Um, creating, making butters, um, uh, cannabis butters is that, uh, after maybe about four to six weeks, uh, if you like, uh, I, I like using Miyoko's, <laughs> which is a great company out here. It's got this really creamy vegan, uh, butter. It's really nice. Um, so I like to use that. But if you leave it in the refrigerator uh, after about four to six weeks, if you don't consume it all within that time frame, it there it will start to become a little moldy, and of course, we don't want to be putting that in the body at that point. It's no good. So freezer will keep it for really for months and months and months, mm-hmm. um, and that way you can just take a little sliver off whenever you need it, which is is a really great way to preserve it. Um, Another thing, uh, that's, we found be really effective is rather than butter to use coconut oil. Now it's going to ask that. Yeah. Coconut oil with lauric acid. I, I, that definitely had the longest, it wasn't even close. Like we did a little test a couple of years back of different oils to see and, and butters to see which one would have the longest kind of, um, preservation in the, in the refrigerator. This is before we would even do in freezing on things, um, Every single oil, every single butter was four to six weeks. Every mm-hmm. single one, except coconut okay. oil.
0: Yeah,
1: coconut oil um, was easily six months of of additional storage time, and you get the additional benefit of lauric acid, uh, which is going to be an, an an extra antimicrobial um, kind of feature. Uh, one of the things we do teach students to do in in the making the uh, medicinal um, cannabis uh, is we teach them how to add other herbs to it. So you can actually infuse your butter while it's um, transferring, while there's there's transfer of the medicinal compounds from the flour into the butter. You can actually add other herbs in as well, you know, sages and let's see, I've I've done a lot of rosemary um, with it and some cinnamon and you get some additional terpene action on some beta karyophylline and Um, and you know, you can put lemon in and I mean, you could, you can get, you can increase whatever terpene you're, you're really looking for. See THC and CBD are going to activate the the cell receptors and they're Mm going to, and when a cell receptor activates, it's going to stimulate that cell to do what it's designed to do. What terpenes do is terpenes are function mechanistically like homeopathy. All right. So homeopathy is an energy signature that kind of signals the cell. So it it participates a great deal in cell communication. That's how homeopathy is really effective, right? Well, if you have an activated cell because of the cell receptor was stimulated, then it's going to it's going to it's going to engender that that cell um, be more prone to communication. Mm. So if you bring in terpenes with it, right? The things that create the scent, like we say the nose knows. Like you'll <laughs> know if something is, if you smell the flower, if it's the right flower for you or not, you'll know because you can smell it, your body knows instantly. Well, if you can, those what you're smelling are the are the terpenes, are the additional medicinal compounds within um within the flower. So if you know what those terpenes are, maybe you got a certificate of analysis and you know what those terpenes predominantly are, beta-caraphylene is a very common one. And it actually can function much like CB2, I much like uh, CBD. And it's the only terpene that can activate the cell receptor as well, which is pretty mm-hmm. interesting. Um, but if you want to increase your terpenes, when you're making your butter, you add those herbs that have those terpenes in it. And now not only do you get a pretty cool flavor to your butter, but you also get that additional entourage effect of all of the cannabinoids mixing with the terpenes. And then now your cells are activated and then there's these terpenes floating around in your bloodstream. And now the terpenes help coordinate communication between cells. And now something amazing happens. Your body goes into a state of healing. Mm. that's that's how it all kind of works (laughs) yeah we just put together a really cool glass on this um, topic it's called the art of cellular healing
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: it's not cannabis specific but it talks about what's going on at the cell level so people can start really learning about how amazing natural medicine really is and why it works when it works
0: yeah brilliant and okay so the second part of that question was uh, now you have your butter for example Mm -hmm. your coconut oil can you use it in anything you want to put it Like you're making a dish and you mm-hmm. put it in a dish and mm-hmm. you can have that dish with the uh, cannabis oil or butter. Is that okay? Or do you need to have it with something cold or it shouldn't be cooked? What What is the oh, process?
1: Such a good question, right? This is in such a good point you're making right here. So you, you've you've taken all this great painstaking work because it, it's it's a little bit of it's not a lot of work it's actually fun I I I like making it you know like once a month or twice once every other month or something um you know when you're making it there's you're like I said you're really hyper aware of temperature mm. you're hyper aware of temperature because as soon as you shoot past certain temperature thresholds. You destroy, you can activate, you know, you can activate THC once it gets activated, it's pretty resilient, but you'll start burning off some of the other endo, some of the other cannabinoids, not endocannabinoids, but some of the other cannabinoids, but what you really burn off are the terpenes. Mm. Terpenes are very, very delicate, right? So when you get above a certain temperature, you have big, big problems. And if you don't give the low temperature activation enough time, you won't get a high percentage of activation of the medicinal compound so there's a there's an art to the preparation of it now you go through that art and you put all this love into making this new badge right it it, it the worst thing you can do now is then take that and use that as cooking butter <laughs> it's not to be cooked with now can you add it on to like i'll, I'll tell folks can you add it on um to i don't know in a soup or something like that if you want to put a little dab in once the soup has been put in the bowl and it's cooling sure you're not beyond that temperature anymore that really important temperature but if you um if you were to like put it into like a brownie mix for example right then you got to bake the brownies at what is it 425 or something like that well bye-bye all that all that work you did just went bye-bye um you'll still have the thc in there you'll still have some cbd in there because those are pretty resilient to that temperature range but all the terpenes gone. Hmm. So so ne- right. So once you, once you've made the butter, the most important thing you can do, like for me, what I, I do um, a couple times a week is I just put it on a cracker, you know, and just use it like a little, use it as a spread a little piece of toast. Mm. Um, I'm good. <laughs> you know, the whole point is to get it into the body and, with the medicinal compounds intact it's not about oh well I, you know i was reading this one cookbook um this uh, 420 cookbook and i really liked what the author was doing and the meals looked delicious but i'm like what you're advocating for is destruction of the very thing you were preserving cuz he shows people how to make the the butter and the temperature is a little high in my opinion but not egregious But then he goes, you know, hey, you can put it in this and this and this and you use that butter to cook with. And it's like, no, 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 no. You'd never use can of butter or can of oil because you can make it into an oil and infused oil as well. You never use those to cook with Mm -hmm. it. That's it's medicinal, right? You don't cook with those things. Um, You know, similarly, when we're talking about just herbs in general, yeah, we'll cook with herbs, you know, and, uh, you know, you can. I don't know, you can marinate with herbs, you can put them on, but you know, there's this, there's this idea that if you're marinating, what's happening is you're getting the compounds, the medicinal compounds, like the terpenes transferring into that, that marinade, and then into the tissue of, of the animal, if you're cooking uh, meat or the, or the fibers of the, of the veggies, if you're not cooking meat. Um, So there's a transfer there, but as soon as you start baking, you burn a lot of that stuff off. And that's why it'll smell good while it's cooking. And there will still be a little remnant flavor there, but you really have run through a lot of the medicine. The best thing to do with herbs when you're cooking is to add your herbs at the very end, you know, whether it's baking, whether it's sauteing or on the stove, you add them in at the very, very end. um, And that's how you get maximal flavor with what you're doing. Cause what you're, what you've done in that way is you've preserved the terpenes. So it's the same thing with this. This is just a botanical medicine. It's the same exact thing. You want to preserve those compounds. So, and what you do, you know, you've preserved them when you have that flavor, you know, with it, that's when, you know, it's like, okay, I got this now. Yeah. This is going to, it's delicious. And it's nutritious. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Win-win. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so this conversation takes me to the next question about medicinal cannabis because mm-hmm. a lot of people that get their um, cannabis from these um, uh, disp- dispensaries mm-hmm. um, they smoke it. Yeah. If they have cancer, if they have any other ailment that they, that requires, so they basically are not really using it medicinally and they're not getting the benefits they should be getting. Is that what you're saying?
1: Right, that's that's my big problem with this. We've we've people are telling a lie over and over again, and that lie is becoming truth. And that lie is that uh, smoking and vaping is medicinal. You yeah. know, um, again, when somebody injures, when you when when you are bringing medicine into your body, and in order to bring that medicine into your body, you have to injure your body. It's no longer medicinal, in my professional opinion. Yeah. Okay. That's the big problem I have with so much of the pharmaceutical um, pharmacopoeia is that when you study it, when you look at it, it doesn't take you hard look. Every single medication has something that it harms
2: mm-hmm. in the
1: body, and it's like, well, I can't really call that medicine. then. you can't injure, you can't, you can't heal a cell and injure a cell at the same time. You, you, you know, and that. So it's this perverse way of looking at it, but. Hey, it feels good. And I get to get high and I get to tell myself a lie. And the lie I get to tell myself is that, you know, what I'm doing every time I take a puff and I exhale that it's medicine. I know because I've told myself that lie when I was in college and everybody was like, yes, yeah, medicine. I don't know why it's even bad, man. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> you know, and you're just having that stupid pontification Right, but it's like it's the it's the lies we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel good. Listen, the herb is wonderful. It's totally fine to indulge in it, right? And smoke it. No, you know, I'm never going to say that you should never smoke it. I mean, look, when I get together with friends and somebody's lighting a joint, and we, I know it's clean, yeah, I'm going to get into the community aspect of that and be like, yeah, sure, let's. I'll toke. It's not a big deal. It's not my normal. But I also don't kid myself and think that that what I'm doing is medicinal. It's not. It's recreational. And Mm -hmm. that's okay. That's totally fine.
0: So a little bit about the politics. I know you have to go soon. So just quick question about the politics of this, because obviously we said at the beginning, a medicinal um, uh, cannabis is allowed in some states. And I mean, there is a lot of... um, it's a very funny one because obviously there is a lot of pushback in some states there's a lot Mm -hmm. of pushback sometimes from big pharma but then at the same time because it's saying a lie about how this plant is actually working because a lot of people are not told that you shouldn't smoke it if they use it medicinally Mm -hmm. so is big pharma behind this too Are, are they taking advantage of the fact that you know, it's um, it doesn't basically it doesn't gain the importance and as you said the reverence that it should be getting because it's stuck at that smoking point, <laughs> pun intended. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? Like, is are they involved into this politics? Where like there's no education behind uh, how to use the plant? There is no education behind if you're sick, this is how you should use it. Like, what what's going on? Because you can have a card for a dispensary pretty easy in some states um Mm -hmm. and you can just go and get your medicinal marijuana there or cannabis and then good riddance we're not going to tell you how to use it and (laughs) then you might still have to go and get your your you know your pills from the pharmacy because well you're not going to right right
1: right right um you know i don't know that the pharmaceutical industry is behind what's going on today it wouldn't surprise me to learn that they were in a major way but I don't have any evidence of that. I, I haven't done any research on that. I do know they played a, pl- a prominent role in getting it removed from the, the pharmacopoeia and, and the list of, of botanical medicines that were available to Americans. Um, I want to say that was 1942. It might have been earlier, but, it, it, you know, I, I know they were it played an instrumental role and in, in funded that vilification project um, mm. to really set the stage for that propaganda and the misrepresentation of, of what this this uh, botanical medicine does do. Um, as far as today, what my experience has been, Chantal is when I go in and I talk to you know I'll I'll go into high end dispensaries. You know I haven't gotten to the point where I'm growing my own yet, um, which I'm very much looking forward to and having full control over all of that. Um, But, you know, I've I've been very blessed to live in places where there are some very high end dispensaries where you can go in and ask for a certificate of analysis and they'll print it out for you right there on the spot um, where they do work with farms that have a lot of integrity, where they work with farms that are very adamant about not using any pesticides, any fungicides, any herbicides, and that when they test for they test their batches, the certificate of analysis confirms that.
2: Mm. So,
1: um, uh, you know, that's, that's been really a, a godsend the last several years for me, it's been easy to come by and it's, I know that's not the case for a lot of people. Um, when you, when you talk about going into a dispensary, the, and this, these are high end dispensaries that I, I'll go into there's, it's still, there's good people in there. It's still kind of interesting how little education, the people that are at the dispensaries are doing and just how much interaction they get. There are people that come in for recreation. There are people that come in with prescription. It would make sense to me to make sure that like a pharmacist is supposed to be able to tell you about the side effects of a pharmaceutical when you go into a pharmacy, that when you go into a dispensary, that those people working behind there have a similar certification but there is currently no requirement for people working behind the counter to have those certifications showing that they've taken minimal amounts of, of uh, education on the topic. And what you get is you get a lot of people talking about cannabis, which is fantastic. You get a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of excitement, but you don't get a lot of biochemistry and physiology knowledge. Mm -hmm. And you don't get a lot of, uh, I think, good advice. People will be like, well, I tried this one. This one really I liked. And it's like, well, you know, the thing about working at a dispensary is you're trying everything there. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I can really take your word for it because you've tried everything in there. And they can talk to you about the body highs for the Indicas. And they can talk to you about the creativity and enhancements for the Sativas. And they can talk to you about hybrids. And those are fine. Those are all general things. but what I find in those places is they can't talk to you about the importance of balancing CBD and, and THC by and large. Now there are there, there are always going to be some folks that really have done their homework and God bless those folks, mm-hmm. but you don't, those aren't the norm. And what they also don't really do a great job of talking about is, um, is uh, the terpenes and what the medicinal impact of those terpenes are. And so if you understand that stuff, you understand CBD, THC, other cannabinoids. If you understand terpenes, then when somebody comes in and says, "Hey, I got this thing going on," it starts making it easier to match the flower, the correct fa- flower for that person, to um, to them, right? Mm. So, I think what my my to to give you a long winded answer and make it even longer, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's really just. Um, there's there's a lack of education in there, uh, and I think that's doing um, that's doing somewhat of a disservice to making sure that people match their condition up or what they need to the correct flowers, so they can get a maximal benefit. And then when you exacerbate that by having cannabis that is is contaminated, and then when you exacerbate that by people smoking that contaminated cannabis it's like now people are left with a lie, the lie of, well, what I'm doing is medicinal. Oh, no, not really, but okay.
0: Yeah. I think you, um, you know, that that we can be happy that there's no conspiracy, really. It just seems Mm -hmm. like it became a trend very quickly. People jumped on the wagon and there was just no regulation on how much education you need. And as you said, that's that's key. you know when you talk about terpene, the first thing I'm thinking, well, like the first thing you want to tell somebody is do not put a flame next to the the, the flower because mm-hmm. that's it. As you said, so smoking by definition makes no sense. Um that you know and maybe that's that's the thing they need to all do your course and get educated <laughs> I Good. mean that's so simple I think you should start doing flyers and bring them to them and also I feel like by doing that we can transform these dispensaries into apocatries you know where people actually can go yeah. in to heal and that's what yeah. we need to go back to really if we think about what what's available to us and and what's not available anymore
1: I would, I would love that. I love that idea, Chantal. I would love to see a massage therapist in, in every gym, that those two things seem like they should just, or right next door, that mm. wherever there's a gym, somebody's going to need a, uh, some body work, right?
2: Mm. Perfect.
1: And I think the same thing for the dispensary. Whenever you have someone that needs cannabis, they're going to need other things. Why? They should just be herbal shops, mm. you know, and, and, sh- and part of that. Part of what we do, dossier, to teach, right? We're teaching people how to use this. That's what makes natural medicine so special is that it imparts um, independence and confidence you know, to people that, hey, here's a medicine and it's okay for you not to know a whole lot about it. I'm going to teach you about it.
2: Mm. And
1: then I'm going to teach you how to how it works with your body. And then you're going to try it and you're going to have the visceral experience of it working. And then you're going to come back here and wonder, well, what else? Might I have in my dispensary that can help you? Because mm. you know this—it's all meant to work together. It's all yeah. meant to synergize, not to uh, not to be isolated and monocropped and all that stuff.
0: No, absolutely. So, just to end, can you give me a little synopsis about your course? Because I think uh, people should look it out, and especially if they're interested in you know um, in cannabis and and really want to learn more, so that they can do themselves mm. a favor by stepping away. From doing it the wrong way um, all the time
1: <laughs> sure we we made it a, a do-it-yourself course um, so the do-it-yourself course Chantal is uh, on my.energetichealthinstitute.org. and with the um, with the course we, we split it into two um, into two classes the first class that we uh, uh, have is mastering medical cannabis and that class, um, is all about, uh, is really, really all about the things that we talked about, the, the more of the science in the background. And then we have a second course that we've put in there for the do-it-yourselfers on how to actually make it. And this is where we have videos on both of them, but these videos and in the, in the making of the medical cannabis course is all about all about the little details that you have to go through to make sure you're preserving the, um, the medicinal compounds in the flower and uh and infusing them into a carrier whether it's oil or butter and how to even potentize them a little bit more by adding some additional you know herbs in and things like that it's it's really a wonderful course and all folks just need to go to my.energetichealthinstitute.org and they can I see that one. They can, yeah, and they can also find the art of cellular healing. And mm-hmm. we're we're adding we're adding at least one new course a month for the next year. We already have the schedule set up, so there's going to oh, be more brilliant. and more stuff, yeah, coming out every single month.
0: Oh, uh, brilliant! I will. That's like you, you, the Udemy of uh, healthcare. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I will. Um, I will put all the links into the show notes so people can see it. But thank you for giving us a summary. It's really, really cool. Amen. Okay, I know you have to go. You have important work for everything that's <laughs> happening in the last two years. You're dedicating your life to it. So I, I really appreciate that you took the time to speak to me about medicinal cannabis. Um, and uh, we're going to try and step away from calling it marijuana now that I know. It's kind of it's a fun name, like NJ, you know, this good reference. Yeah, it is.
1: <laughs> it is. People have definitely co-opted it and turned it yeah. into a fun word, which is pretty cool, right?
0: Yeah, I didn't really uh, know the origin. I just thought it's such a great... Um, you know, kind of, um, yeah, I mean, the first time I heard that M- MJ or Mary Jane is also a reference, right. referencing that from Scooby-Doo, I was like, what? That makes sense, though, because, you know, Scooby and Shaggy, they were always high.
1: They <laughs> so, were always high. were always hungry. <laughs> Amen. All Amen. right.
0: Thank you so, so much, Dr. You got it.
1: You got it. Oh, Thanks. God.
0: Thank you, Dr. H. And thank you everyone for staying on for this episode. I hope you found it helpful. I sure did. I learned things that I didn't know. And I can tell you that I have so much more respect for this beautiful plant. I sure did enjoy a couple of joints in my lifetime and they were fun, but I now really value the medicinal properties of this plant. And so I don't take it for granted that we need to use it the right way. If you enjoyed this episode, please do rate it, share, and make sure that you leave us a review so that we can keep on growing and I will see you next week.